Welcome to Living Water Radio. The parable of the prodigal son is one of the most inspired works of literature in the world. It's also a testimony to the extravagant love of God. It could be called the parable of the prodigal father. Today, we'll find out why. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Last time, we looked at the first part of the parable of the prodigal son. We heard that prodigal means excessive, wastefully extravagant, spending money recklessly, lavish. It has the same root word as prodigious, as in President Taft had a prodigious waistline. A prodigy is someone who is exceptionally talented. We learned that there is always a way back to God. Last time, we learned how. Today, we're going to find out why. The parable is introduced in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Now we jump over two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, to the parable of the prodigal son, starting in verse 11. Spoiler alert! All three are about something precious that can be lost, and what the Pharisees, and a key person in the parable, see as God's prodigal generosity in finding it. So much so that the latter parable could also be called the parable of the prodigal father. Let's catch up. We learned in Luke chapter 15, verses 11b to 20a, the first part of the parable, about the younger of two sons who goes to his father and asks for his inheritance immediately so that he can have a good time while he's still young. And the father agrees. What would you have done if you had been this father? This is the first taste we get of the father's prodigal generosity. The son travels to a distant country and blows through the money in what the Bible calls dissolute living, life without morals or restraint. He gets wasted, literally, and then the money runs out. He's alone, and he takes a job feeding pigs who eat better than he does. He remembers that his father's hired hands have plenty of food and to spare, so he decides to go home to repent and to ask his father for a job, not to be his son anymore, but just to eat. He knew that he had no right to be called his father's son anymore. The parable continues with Luke chapter 15, verse 20b. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Here's the second sign of the father's prodigal generosity. Grown men don't run in most cultures. It's undignified. 
I studied in Rome briefly on the way back from a semester in Israel when I was in college. Jogging or running outside of a track was just starting to be popular in the United States. Some of the guys in our group and I would run outdoors when we had some free time, and people would look with astonishment that someone who was not a child was running outside and wearing running shorts in public. Little kids would point and laugh as we ran by. We looked ridiculous to them. The father forgot all of that. He laid aside his dignity and composure to run to his son when he saw him return. He was not filled with disappointment or bitterness. He was filled with compassion. He put his arms around him and he kissed him, a common form of greeting among close friends and relatives. The son tries to get out the speech he had prepared, but he doesn't get very far, starting with verse 21. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I played drums and jazz bands in college and seminary mostly. One of the tunes we played was A Standard, The Return of the Prodigal Son by tenor saxophonist Stanley Turrentine. I guess you could say that it's a medium-up-tempo mix of blues and joy, the sorrow of the son and the joy of the father, but it sounds like a strut. That always bothered me, because that's not how the prodigal son returned. He returned with his life in tatters and his head hanging low. He couldn't finish his repentance speech before his father was organizing the welcome home party, making the son the honored guest, presenting him with the symbols of his status as a son, and they began to celebrate. But not everyone was happy. The parable continues with verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. The older brother was angry. His father was throwing a huge party to celebrate the prodigal son's return. The older son wouldn't have it. He'd been the rock-steady one. He'd done everything that was asked of him, and he never got even a little shindig, much less a big celebration. He doesn't even refer to the prodigal son as his brother. He only refers to him as this son of yours, who had devoured the father's property with prostitutes. The fatted calf was reserved for major events like an honored guest, a wedding, or the birth of a child. The fatted calf was the best of the best the father had to offer. It was an extremely generous gift. It was an expression of the excessive love from the prodigal father. The older brother refused to join in the celebration. His father didn't begin to ask him to come in. He began to plead with him to come in. 
more prodigal generosity from the father. He loved the older brother, too, and wanted him to know that the relationship with the family that the father had given him was still valued. And notice that the younger brother's actions are not without consequences. We see it in the conclusion of this parable, starting with verse 31. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The father tells the older son that all that is the father's is the older son's. It's not going to be divided again with the little brother. But something precious has been restored. A relationship. The prodigal son is referred to as this brother of yours, and the father gives the reason for the rejoicing. This brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The relationship with the father has never changed for either son. He loved them. The prodigal son could live like it didn't matter, but the reality of it was still his because it wasn't his to deny. We are created for a living relationship with the one true living God. We reject that relationship and go to the far country of self-indulgence, personal pleasure, indifference, and the acceptance of the world. But God never gives up on us. There is a way back. God has made a way in Jesus Christ at the cross. What far country are you in today? What far country is someone you know and love in today? What far country is our culture in today? Many liturgical churches have sung a gospel acclamation during the season of Lent that is different than the one that is sung the rest of the year. It comes from the middle part of Joel, chapter 2, verse 13, and it goes, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Who do you identify with in this parable? I think that Jesus wants us to identify with the prodigal son, to know that we need a Savior and that God in Christ gave his life on the cross to be our Savior. God, the prodigal father, continues to love us excessively and has shown us God's grace by paying the ultimate price on the cross. He welcomes repentant sinners. Our debt is marked paid in full. We live our lives in response to that love freely given. God, with all the hosts of heaven, rejoices when one sinner remembers who they are and repents and turns to God and lives. There is always a way back. God makes a way on the cross. Open the door to your heart and receive the excessive love of the prodigal God given to save the world. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccines and the booster because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadall and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, 
the God who gave himself on the cross, so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God, for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship service they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move now out of the variants and back into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. They're trying to find their footing. They're trying to keep everybody happy. You know how impossible that is. Support them. Pray for them. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local national hotline, talk with a professional, reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time and into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, get your vaccine. It's the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Do it for the sake of others. Avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and an encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.